You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, if, you, if this is your first time, my name's Nick, pastor of Bright City Church, and we're just so glad to have you. We've been talking about what does it look like to build the future. I think a lot of times we feel stuck in life, not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to be the person that we feel like we're wired to be. And I think a lot of times it's not that we're merely just stuck. I think a lot of times is that we're not building in the present the future that God has for us. I think a lot of times we're not intentionally working and doing and moving and building in the present moment what God wants to do in us through the future. And I think if we step back for a little bit or as long as we have breath, there is a God who is rescuing and redeeming and calling people out of darkness and into marvelous light. And one of the things that he's doing in and through that is not merely just for salvation. It's not merely just for your eternity and this fire assurance so in fire insurance so you know where you're going to end up when you die. It's actually because God wants to build something in this world in and through you. He just does. He does not purchase what he what he has not purpose for that's just not how it works anything that god is doing and moving in and through us is because he's purchased us because he has purpose for us and so we've been using the story of nehemiah and actually nehemiah starts internally it starts with this deep burden that this one person has but as you see throughout the book as you see throughout the scripture that god starts with one person then before it's over it's moving through a whole nation that God is moving through a whole people group. And what he does is he moves in the presence and builds a future for his kingdom. And so with Nehemiah, he starts with this burden. He gets favor from the king, a secular king, to come return back to Jerusalem, to Israel. And he gets to start building and doing the things that God wanted to restore all along. Throughout scripture, God was always promising that he would bring his people back and he would do what only he could do and he would restore the city. And so he's using Nehemiah to do that. And so with Nehemiah, it starts as this internal thing and all of a sudden now it's moving to this external thing. And so last week we talked about how Nehemiah actually got permission to go to the city and then he starts inspecting the walls. And I think sometimes when we look at our lives, we don't do enough inspection in our own lives to figure out the future that God wants to build in and through us. And I don't blame us because we're in this pace of the culture where we never get to stop and really try to figure out what God wants to do in our lives. And so Nehemiah, he's going to this city. And one of the things I love about this moment with Nehemiah is that God gives him spiritual eyes to see what's physically before him. And he sees this rubble. He sees the city that's been destroyed. And I think in that moment, he could have just stopped there. He could have been like, that's it. I'm done. 
God was wrong. This is not the thing that he wanted to do. This is not the thing that he wanted to do in and through me. But what Nehemiah did is he had spiritual eyes to see physically what needed to be done. And so when it comes to our lives, we have to really ask God for spiritual eyes to see what he physically wants to do in and through us. Because a lot of times it looks like rubble and not restoration, right? Like a lot of times you're looking at your life and you're like, man, this is... This is not good. This is a train wreck. This is rubble that God can't do anything out of this. God can't build anything out of this. And when we see this story, when we see Nehemiah, it's exactly the conditions that God loves to build on. It's like what he does. It's like in his job description, God over the universe, sovereign above all, restorer of the rubble. Like that's what he does. That's how he works. And so if, if, you, if you're thinking in your life right now, you're like, Nick, I, I can't get past what God might be wanting to do in the corporate because I just feel so personally distraught and burdened and just like my life is rubble. That's exactly the place that he wants to build from. That's what he does. Uh, I've been reading in 2 Corinthians recently, and I just was reminded of this verse. It's, it's how Paul starts out the letter. He's like, hey, Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts you in your most distraught moments so that you can extend comfort to other people. And so what I love about the kingdom of God is there's never a time to not participate in the kingdom of God. Like when he saves you, redeems you, calls you, put his spirit inside of you, there are better times that feel incredible, like you have momentum and like things are happening that have never happened before. But then also, even on your worst days, God can do some of his best works. That's just how he works. That's how he moves in our lives, is that there is never a day where God can't move in and through you. There's never a day if you've given your life to Jesus where he can't do the things that he wants to do in and through your life. And so Nehemiah, he's at the wall. He's inspecting. He's like, God, what, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? And then Nehemiah moves from inspection to invitation. One of the things I love about inspection is that good inspection leads us to action. When you actually see what God's doing, when you actually see how God's on the move, when you actually see that God can rebuild out of the rubble, when you actually see that God wants to restore things in this world, it actually leads us to accepting the invitations that he has for us. When you read the Gospels of Jesus, particularly in Luke's Gospel, it's just invitation after invitation from Jesus. Like, hey, if you, if you want to do the thing that I'm doing, like if you want to move the kingdom forward, if you want to answer the call of God on your life, if you want to see things that you've never seen before, if you want to do things that you've never done before, if you want to be a part of something that you've never been a part of, if you want to satisfy the longings in your heart that you've never been able to satisfy, all you do is say yes. All you have to do is say, yeah, yeah, I'll follow. All you have to do is say, yeah, I'll, I'll come see what this is about. Like the disciples were essentially some guys that just said, yeah, probably because someone said you won't do it, right? Like hey, you, you won't do that. You won't, you won't follow that carpenter. Like that's silly. Why would you ever follow a carpenter who, I mean, it's like the equivalent of like following someone who, no disrespect, who like lives out of the van and does the life. It's like we, we've, we've got a guy in our community that lives out of a van and I love him and he's incredible. And, and it would take me a lot to live in a van with him. Like I would need to know that God had called me to do that. 
And some of you who are laughing know who I'm talking about. And he's an incredible human, but I, like Jess and I have been so clear, like we glamp, that's as far as we go. And glamping is like Holiday Inn. It's like, I just, I need to know that there's a continental breakfast in my future or else I can't do it. And so Jesus is calling these people to follow him and, and they're answering the invitation. And I think sometimes we miss out on the move of God because we miss out on saying yes to the invitation that he's extending to us. Sometimes we feel stuck in the present and we don't know what God's going to do in our future because we're not answering the invitations that he has for our lives. Like it's just, it's just how it works. He's not a bully. He invites, he invites, he invites, he invites. And when you read the, the gospels, when you read the scriptures, like, you see that people have incredible excuses. Like, hey, I just started that job. You know, I've got to put in the hours. Um, you know, i got to do the thing. And I just got married, and this happened. And, you know, the wife is saying this, and so i got to make sure I listen. Or I just bought the land, and now i got to make sure the oxen are good, whatever that means. And so I just, I just need to make sure I'm, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do. And Jesus is like, hey, you are making up things that you think you should do and not living out of the identity that I've given you. Like The invitation is to be who you're created to be, not to be less of who you, this world wants you to be, right? So we have inspection, we have invitation, and then we have opposition. And so once Nehemiah extends the invite for the people of God to start building and doing in this, in, in this project that they had, immediately there's opposition. And I talked about a little bit, and I'll talk about it again because it actually happens a few different times in Nehemiah. But one of the things that I have seen over and over and over again within the people of God is anytime there is a new thing that God wants to do and there's a new commitment that needs to be made, sometimes the worst opposition comes from within. Like sometimes the worst opposition comes from within the people of God and the enemy doesn't even need to get started. And what I think happens, and this is just a, a hypothesis, if you will, is what I think happens is that uh, people become afraid of change. It's like, hey, I, I just I don't I don't want this to change. or I don't want that to change. or I don't I don't want this to shift. And a lot of times when you see change throughout Scripture, you see change is the first step to miracles, right? Like when Jesus changes a heart, a miracle usually follows. Like when Jesus changes the way things are done, usually there's a better way that follows. Like one of the things I love about following Jesus is that sometimes it scares me out of my mind and I have two options. This is what I love about following Jesus. I have two options. Either I can be stressed out all the time and anxious all the time, or I can just surrender. And I say, hey, God, you know better. I, I don't want to oppose your plans. I don't want to oppose what you're doing. Like this was the thing in Acts 5, right? The guy that was the crazy, wise synagogue leader, he was like, hey, let's see where this goes. Because you don't want to stand on the other side of God. Like, you don't want to be looking on the other side of God and opposing his plans. And so Nehemiah, he's, he's going to encounter opposition multiple times. And one of the things that Nehemiah does is he just keeps building. He's like, hey, I, I need to keep doing the thing that God's asked me to do. I need to keep building. I need to keep trusting him. I need to believe that the thing he called me to do in the past is the thing that he wants me to do in the present. Because the thing I'm going to do in the present is actually going to build an incredible future in the future. That's what's going to happen. 
And so we, we, here's something even bigger is we cannot let our own selves be the opposition of what God wants to do. How many times do you talk yourself out of what God wants to do in and through you? How, how many times you're like, ah, that, that's never going to work. It's like, ah, he called me, but ah, just, he put that thing in my heart, but that's, that's never going to happen or that never won't work. And this won't do that. And that won't do this. And I think sometimes we're a greater opposition than the enemy himself to ourselves. Yeah. And so we have to be willing to address the opposition and say, God, new movement, new direction, new future, new commitment. Because if we're not committed, we're going to be the opposition to what God wants to do in and through us. And so this week, we, we kind of shift to chapter 3. And chapter 3, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it would be the equivalent of reading instructions to Ikea's catalog of how to build this coffee table. It'll be 53 pages long, and it'll be a lot of words that I can't pronounce, which is if you can pronounce all of the Ikea furniture, there's a special place in heaven for you. Um, I, I go there, and I'm like, yeah, just give me the one that starts with the H and ends in a J. Like, that's the one I want. Is that's, that's the thing. And they're like, well, that's 53 things that do that. And it's like, okay, well, let me get the other one. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's what I want to do is I want to highlight a few things in chapter 3. We're actually going to be in chapter 3 for two weeks. I want to highlight a few things that I see in this chapter that are hugely important for you and I as we're building the future that God wants to build in and through us. Because here's the thing I know is that if we do not find our place in the present, we will not build the future that God has for us. I think a lot of times we think that we fall into the future that God has for us. And a lot of times that can be right. I feel like marriage is one of those things where I just like majorly upgraded and fell into it. And that is all God. And he deserves all the praise and all the glory. And I outkicked my coverage. And if you're a football fan, you know what that means. And if, if you're not, is I, I, I got Adele. Like that's how I feel in life. If you're not a football fan, like you can... Y'all are rough this morning. Everybody okay? I'm up here like best content. Like I saw that on I saw that on YouTube and then Netflix and y'all were like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonder what he's gonna say about Nehemiah today. Mm-hmm. If if you long to build the future that God wants to build in and through you. It is from you finding your place in the present. You're not going to fall into your future. It's not going to happen. Like it requires hard, sacrificial, costly decisions in the present to enter into the future that God has for you. And so I want to show you a few things that I see in chapter 3, and then I want to talk about what that means for you and I. So one of the first things that I saw in this moment is that the high priest and the priest lead the way. Like you would have thought it would have been the people that are qualified to build the wall. You would have thought it would have been the people that have like the degree in the building of the wall. Like you would have been like, okay, this is clearly the GCs and the contractors, and they know what they're doing. But it's actually the high priest and the priest that were the first to build. This is uh, Nehemiah 3 verse 1. It says, Then Elisha, 
not Elijah or Elisha, Elishib, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated and set its doors up, building the wall as far as to the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated at the Tower of Henanel. And so what I love about this is the connection of the priest. So when you read the New Testament, one of the things that God does to describe his people is he doesn't just describe them as those who go to church on Sunday, those who might stand and greet at a door, or those who said yes to Jesus while they were in college, and now they're just living their life. What he describes us as as chosen people in the royal priesthood and the holy nation of the new thing that he wants to do in and through this world. And so when you're reading 1 Peter 2.9, he says that you are not like that. And so here's what he's saying, is that there are people who are stones. They are rocks. And rather than walking in obedience to God, they're actually making people stumble because they're not obeying and doing the things that God has created them to do. And he says, you're not like that, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And so it's, it's, you're not a spectator. Like that's, you go to the River Dogs game to be a spectator, right? Like I know my place when I go there. It's like in a chair with a beverage and a hot dog. Like that, I don't. I don't run on the field at the River Dogs game. That's just not not how it works. But when you enter into the kingdom of God, you have been redeemed to run on the field. Like, you didn't purchase your way here. He purchased your way into the kingdom. So we're his possession. And as a result, we can show others the goodness of God for he called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. I think sometimes, especially in the South, when we think that we said yes to Jesus, we're like, oh man, it was just, you know, it was a good decision I made one day when I was feeling good and and I showed up at church and, you know, someone invited me and, you know, did the thing, said yes, got baptized. SBC for me, dog. I'm, you know, flying with the Southern Baptist Convention or, you know, Presby for me. Like, you know, I'm flying that Presbyterian flag. Like, this is, this is, you know, through and through, you know, so I got, I got saved in a legit spot, you know, that's, it was, it was, it was like a thoroughbred moment. Like it was one of that, that non-denominational watered down stuff. God's like, no, I, I didn't, I didn't call you out of a denomination. I called you out of darkness. I didn't, I didn't call you out of mediocrity. I, I called you out of death. And now you're standing in wonderful light. And so when I read that the priest started the, the wall, I was like, that, that's us. Like that, that's us. Like the future that God wants to build starts with us. Another thing that you see is that there's more gates versus walls. This is where I want my seminary money back. Is like every time you study this, it was like Nehemiah who went to build the wall, right? It was the wall, it was the wall. There's actually 10 gates that are happening in this moment. I want to come back to that, but that's just, you know, write that down, put it in your notes, talk about it at lunch. Next, I want to talk about the scope of work. I know you're not going to talk about that at lunch. Like, you're not going to say, hey, remember when Nick said to talk about the gates at lunch? It's not going to happen. It's, we laugh in the moment, we move on. <laughs> Golly, prayer and intercession today. 
scope of work, the total layout of the whole project was 2.5 miles of wall slash gate. How incredible is that? They did that in 52 days. That's the equivalent of you starting at Hampton Park and walking to Battery Park. That's a lot of ground. That's a lot of wall slash gate. Also, it enclosed 220 acres. That's, if you hunt, you're like, oh, I'm good. I understand that. That's some good hunting land right there. I do not hunt. I am not of the hunting type. And so if you're not of the hunting type, it is 146 football fields. That, that's, that's a lot. Like they, they got some things done, right? Here's another thing I saw in this chapter that was so cool is that men and women work side by side. It was a team effort. How incredible is that? It's like they're out there swinging hammers, holding swords, like doing the dang thing. Like that's just an incredible feat. So that's what happened. I want to talk about what this means for you and I. So what is it going to take from you and I to build the future that God wants to build in and through us as a people? So if you are a first time guest, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you can find something that's good for your ear and your heart. But one of the things I believe that God is doing is that he is calling this community into a new start that's going to lead us to take on new ground and that is going to allow us to build the future that God's calling us to build. And so for people who would call Bright City Church home is how do we do that? How do we find our place in the present to build the future that God has for us? What is it going to take? And so one of the things that I see in this moment is it involves everyone doing a little bit of work. Okay, so if, if you're at Bright City and you're, you're, you're not here to impress a girl or a guy and this is like your place and this is where you want to be, like it is going to take everyone doing a little bit in order to step into the future that God has for us. And so when you read Nehemiah, this was so cool. It said that 41 family units did 42 sections of the wall, of the whole project, of the gates and everything. So this is 41 units, parties, families that helped do 42 sections of the wall. And so when you're looking at this, I did some math, because I can't do math in the moment, I had to do it before I got here, is that each family unit was responsible for about 250 feet of gate slash wall. And so what that means is that they were responsible for about 2% of what was happening. Isn't that incredible? It's like, hey, get your 2%. It's gonna be milk one day, but right now it's your job. That's the one you laugh at? That's not even in here. There was one crew that did 10% of the work. They knocked out 1,500 feet. That's so cool. So in the church today, here's one of the things that I've noticed, I've been around for a while, is that we go in and out of healthy participation and unhealthy participation, right? And so healthy looks like Everyone doing a little bit. So 98% of the people doing 10% of the work. It's like they did for this project. 
and they built the future because they had great participation in the present. Like that's how it happened. It was like, man, we're, we're in here, we're gonna do 2% of the work and we're gonna do the thing. But somehow within the church, we end up with an 80-20 or a 90-10. You know what I'm talking about? Where I think 20% do 80% of the work or 10% do 90% of the work. It, it just it happens. It's like, uh, you know, we're, you, you, you got your crew, pastor. Like you, you do the thing and you got your people and, and they're there, they're doing the thing. And, and what I've noticed is that when we live this way, there's a few things that happen. Number one is people burn out. And so they're like, ah, I'm out. And, and here, here's something to write down and journal later. And I'm not saying that it hasn't happened this way. A lot of times there actually is church hurt and there's things that have happened that have flown from the top down. But what if there's a different kind of church hurt that involves other people not participating and putting it all on a little bit of people? And they're like, the church burned me out. And it's like, what if we burned each other out? Like, like, what if we made so-and-so never come back again because so-and-so felt obligated to be at so-and-so place every Sunday, and therefore they missed out on the fullness of what could happen if everyone steps into what God wants them to do? And so I think what happens is the future is never built because the present is barely maintained. Like, what if God had incredible incredible things for our future, but we can't step into them because we can barely maintain the present. Like everyone always asks me about like buildings downtown, like, hey, what what are we going to do about owning? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? It's like, I I don't know if you want to hear the dreams that I have in my heart and my head. Like, I just, I just, I don't, I don't, it might tire you out. It tires me out. I'm like, oh God, just got up this morning and I came here and that's like all I can do today. Like, you know, I don't have time to think about the, the dreams that God has in my heart. I don't, I don't have time to think about the things that God wants to do in the future of this place because I can barely maintain the present. And so in, in your life, think about that. Like, what, what, what is God wanting to do in your future, but somehow faithfulness is not being practiced in the present? Like, I, I, let's put the church aside for a second. Like, what? Like, where does faithfulness need to be practiced? Are you trying to do 10% in hopes that that makes up for the 90%? Like, I got here. Lord, please bless this mess. And Jesus is like, well, number one, I didn't call you a mess. Number two, I didn't make you a no mess. Number three, you're a new creation. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works before the foundations of time and other translations that would call that a masterpiece. He, he didn't create messes. He created masterpieces, right? And so I think sometimes the present condition of the church family is only an extension of how we're not presently being faithful in our own lives personally. Like a hot topic, hot goss, giving. It's like, ah, oh, we can't talk about, how's everybody all talking about giving? Listen, my dream is to never ever talk about giving ever. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't like go to seminary. They say, why are you here? Well, let me tell you, 
one day be standing in front of some people and I really want to talk about money all the time. I, I do. I want to talk about why it's there and in the scriptures and how God calls us to do it and then how people don't do it and then how we have to play this like yo-yo tag game where it's like, just kidding. All right, let's go play hide and seek one more time. Oh, I found you. It's like, that's, that's not what I said in seminary. That's not. I said, I want to build a people of faith who build the future of the kingdom in the present. That's what I want. Like, generosity is like just one of a million things, right? Um, just found out a couple, couple days ago in a, in a staff meeting that we almost did not have Bright Kids three weeks ago. It's like it, it didn't almost happen. It's like one of the places that God is blessing the most in this place is where we're having the least response. Sometimes we're like, I just want to get behind what God's doing. And Jesus is like, let the children come to me. You're like, no, 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 I just want to get behind what God's doing. And Jesus said to the children, no, I just, I just, I want... Like, let me just play this thread out. I'm just, stay with me. Like, sometimes in our lives, we have these deep longings, right? Like, we're like, man, I just, I want to meet the person of my dreams. Like, I just, I want to be with that person. I want to be walking with that person. I want to live life with that person. What if they're your other volunteer and bright kids one Sunday? (laughs) I, I met my wife in the house of the Lord. Like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. Like, we were, we were there in youth group. Like, there was, there was some serving and some flirting, and then some flirting and some serving. Like, I, I don't... This, that's, that's, not, that's not the main thing. But I'm telling you, like, I think God bless faithfulness. Now take the spouse thing out of your brain. You ready? What if you've missed out on a miracle because you didn't say yes in the moment? Like, we, I think sometimes we have such a hard outlook of faith because we, we want to see God move and we don't see God move. And God's like, yes, it's because you haven't moved in obedience. I've been calling you. I've been telling you. I've been speaking to you. You, you did the, the Devo and the journal thing, and, 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 I, and I said the things. In order to build the future that God has for us, it's going to require everyone doing a little bit. It's just going to be part of it. And bright kids, when we're greeting people, well, like that, that coffee doesn't arrive here by angel messenger. Like it, somebody's got to go pick that thing up. One of the things that you see throughout the Psalms is you see that the psalmist is moved by participation in the house of the Lord. And I wonder if sometimes we struggle emotionally because we are not moved to participate in the house of the Lord. And we're like, man, I just, I'm struggling with this emotional feeling of discouragement, and, and I just don't feel like I've, I'm enough. And God's like, well, 
have, have you ever tried to be who I created you to be? Like, have you ever said yes to the things that, that, that I have for you in your life? If you want to see a miracle, then watch me move in and through you when you step out on obedience. And I think sometimes we're content to stay where we are. Therefore, we miss out on the future that God has for us. And, and, I, and I think there, there are things that are going on inside of us that he wants to breathe miracles on our lives. But it requires us stepping out and doing the things that he's called us to do and being the people that he's created us to be, right? I think we're so big on believers is talking about identity, like sons and daughters of God. But we, we stop there and we forget that we're sons and daughters, a part of a family. And like, we, you, you, like, I don't know what house you grew up in, but I didn't grow up in the type of house where you not do a chore. Like, I didn't grow up in the type of house where you didn't contribute in some way, shape, or form. My, my, my mom, R.I.P., rest her soul, like, I got a broomstick in the head when I was 18. That's just how they did things back in the day. It was like, it was family. You participated. You did chores. You took the trash out. You did the thing. What if that's your identity and you're missing out on the things that God has for you in the household of God? What if there is gifting in you that you never knew you had? I didn't wake up one day and grab a mic. Like, that's not how this worked. Like, if that's how this worked, it would have been a train wreck. I, I said yes to serving in youth group. They were like, hey, you want to speak? No, but yes. Then that led to a Bible study in, in an inner city place in Columbia. Did they listen to me? No, but I was there. I had free pizza. That's what I had. That's that other type of manna you don't know about. <laughs> Little Caesar's hot and ready. That'll get the message of the gospel forward. The thing that you might do might not be the thing that he has you do. It just might be step one. That's how it works. We give him the Lunchable and he's like, I got that. I can do something with that. Five loaves, two fish, let me do something with that. Before you know it, you're holding the mic, telling people about 2% milk. Like, what is, what is God asking you to do in the future? Like, I, like I love this city because we, we're dreamers, right? Like, we move here because we've, we've got a hope and a dream. So what, what does he want to do, and what can you say yes to today to live out the future that he has for you? All right, so there's kind of two ways that you can step forward in this. There's two reasons I can see as to where we can go from here and how we can move forward. The first is communication. You're like, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't know that, that that was happening. Like one time we had a really bad giving slump, and I was like, oh, we ain't paying rent. People can come in here, the power's off. And I'm gonna be like, it's an intimate moment of worship. And, and we're creating a time in the presence of God in this place. Meanwhile, it's like, we couldn't even pay the power bill. Like that's what was happening. And so people are like, hey, I just wish you would have told me. I just, I, you just, you just gotta tell me. So if, if, if this is your thing, you're like, man, I, I didn't know that Bright Kids was in such bad shape. Like I didn't know that, you know, 20% were doing the 80%. I didn't know this, I didn't know. Communication, right? 
Like that's, that's how the spirit of God moves. And so we get to, to communicate and there's this thing called planning center app that's church center and you can download that. And I don't think you swipe on this one. So if you're like, this is where I'm meeting my spouse, I don't think it's that kind of app, but it'll help you get plugged in to the family of God to where you might one day find that special person. But I think there's another thing that can happen, and that's consecration. And that's a big word that just means set apart. And one of my favorite places to see that is in Joshua 3.5. So they actually use the word consecration in Nehemiah 3.1, and so that's what made me think of it. But in Joshua 3.5, the Lord says to Joshua, hey, like, I want you to get the people ready because tomorrow I want to do amazing things among them. And so Joshua comes to the people and he says, consecrate yourselves unto the Lord because tomorrow miracles happen. And so if you find yourself in this place and you're like, man, I've never stepped out. I've never said yes. I don't, I've never served in the house of God. I've never found my place within the family of God. Like what if this is a moment of consecration to set yourself aside so that you can see the miracles of God move in and through your life? Like within the church, like this church ecosystem, like we'll listen to a podcast and we'll be like, oh my gosh, like God was moving through them. Like they were saying things and it spoke to my heart and it pulled some things out of me. I didn't even know that was there. And, and I'm like, well, what if God wants to do that through you? Like, do you know that the same power that is at work in you is the same power that's at work in me is the same power that is at work at the resurrection of Christ Jesus? Like we have resurrection power and we're living regular lives. Right back to the beginning. But you are a chosen nation, a royal priesthood. Like you have been purchased and bought with a price. And you have been brought out of darkness and now you are standing in marvelous light. And to be the bright city that God has called us to be is going to require, is going to demand. It's, 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 it's all that can happen is going to require everyone doing a little bit. So do you want to be set apart for what God has in your life? Or do you want to sit on the resurrection power for a little bit longer and wonder where God is? I can tell you where God is. God is in you. He's in you. He purchased you. How incredible is that? Out of darkness and into his marvelous, wonderful light. Uh, earlier, I was talking about gates versus walls. It was just so crazy. I was, I was looking at this, and it was, it was a rabbit trail. I'm going to be honest with you. It's like when you're on Instagram, and then you're like, four hours later. That was, that was what happened to me. And so, again, I, I thought this was about, like, the people building walls. But, but when I read it, it's like, man, there was ten gates there was so much focus on the gates. 
And so what I felt like God was saying to me is I was like, man, he was wanting to build places of access so that people could see the bright city that he created. Like it wasn't about keeping people out, right? It was about people being able to come and go, right? Right? What if the church was that? Like, like what if the church was the place of access so that people can encounter the resurrected Jesus? Like, like the only hope I have is that there is a message in this world that is of power and is that is supernatural and that can actually change the heart and as a result change the world. I have to believe that. Like I have to. What, what, what else am I going to believe in? I, like, tell me what moves better and I'll go get the job there tomorrow. Tell me what Jesus said also the gates of hell would not overcome in this world and I'll sign up and fill out the application tomorrow. Tell me where Jesus blessed and ordained and unleashed a family of people to unleash spiritual power into this unspiritual world and, 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 I'll, and I'll resign here and go there tomorrow. But what I've seen throughout scripture is that God is building a future through his people, but it starts by finding our place in the present, right? So I started thinking about this gate and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I think Jesus called himself a gate one time. I was like, I don't understand that, but he did. So this is John 10. It says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. Guys, I, I, I think people are looking for good pasture. I think they're trying everything. I, I think they're trying everything and the world is so disappointing. It's, it's so underwhelming. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you, if you wanna build the gate, I'll, I'll be the gate. And when people come in, they're going to find the new life. But they be, to build the thing that God wants us to build is, requires everyone to do a little bit. But when we do, the people find Jesus. This, is, this was his idea. It's not my idea. I would, if this was my idea, I would sleep in. I would go to brunch. I would, I would go to the beach. I would take a walk. I would go on a drive. I, I, if, if this didn't exist, that would be the only hope I had, but this exists, therefore my hope is in Jesus and my hope is in the family of God and my hope is that God is still calling a people to himself through the gate of Jesus and my hope is that when he pulls us out of darkness that he's gonna unleash us into be the marvelous light that he has us to be for this city. Things don't change because we complain. Change happens because we build in the present what God wants in the future. So find your place. If it's not here, I've got a list of churches you can go to. If it's not in this place, tell me how I can help you. Tell me what I can do. Tell me the hoops that I can jump through. But if this is 
the place that God has you to build the future, then build the future. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You have the message of the cross of the gospel that is at work in your heart, and you have the tools of the Holy Spirit and gifting to be used for the kingdom of God, and you have a love of heaven that needs to be unleashed through you to your neighbors and your co-workers and your friends. Guys, we, we are not sitting on an event. We are sitting on a movement of the kingdom of God. That's where we are. And so some of you, you've been here. You're, you're, I call you OGs. Like you're OGs. You've been here. Like you're consecrated. You're doing that thing. Thank you so much. I stand on the foundation of your sacrifice. I do. But if you've you kind of been here for a little bit, you're like, man, I just I hadn't, hadn't found the place. There is no shame in that. There's no shame. Like God's timing is perfect. And his best timing is now. Right? It's right, it's right now. To build the future, say yes in the present. Amen? Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.